0: Welcome to the Early Access Podcast, episode 7. It is, I usually write this down, October 8th, 2019. I just found out two days ago on October 6th, it was the 6th year. Yeah, I started in 2013. It was the 6th year anniversary of me creating my Twitch channel. uh, And, well, 6 years later, I am no longer a professional Twitch streamer. But it was something that I noticed, uh, just to give me a little bit of a reference as to how long I've been doing this. Firepunch tweeted out at me the other day too. He has been subscribed to my Twitch channel. For 57 months. Which is. A little more than 2 years. Wait. No. 2 two years is 24 months. A little more than 4 years. Uh, which is an absolutely insane amount of time. So shout out to my man Firepunch. We got a lot to talk about today. In particular. Uh, Kuler wanted me to tell the story of. ...the coins that I was lugging around Japan. But I just gotta let you guys know... ...that Northern California right now... ...is under the threat of losing electricity... ...almost everywhere. And so in the event that... ...this episode gets cut short... ...or the stream gets cut off... ...which by the way we are starting the stream now... ...Tuesdays, twitch.tv slash Shampoo ...at 8pm... ...so I don't have to go to bed so late... ...after processing the audio for the show... Um, ...but Northern California is under threat... ...of losing absolutely all of its electricity... And so I am absolutely prepared for the end times, I've been preparing for uh, the entire day. I have GoPro batteries charged so in case anything insane goes down I'll be able to record on my GoPro. I have battery packs that'll be able to charge my phone 32 times over. I have Pokemon cards because they don't require any electricity to play. We got stocked up on candles, I got a jug of water, I have beans all over the place. Most importantly, in case it gets to that point, I am ready to pillage and defend my base. So we got scissor sticks. I got knives in all over the house. I got a pair of scissors right next to me just in case someone were to come up to me during the show and start trying to pillage early. If, if it goes down, I don't have any guns because this is California, but I'm ready to go. And the first place I'm going, first place is everyone's going to be going out to Costco I'm going to the card shop because Pokemon cards are going to be the currency of the future. I mean, think about it. My those Quest is going to die after two to three hours of gameplay, so we're all going to be needing to do something. Uh, so I am going straight to the card shop. All right, this electricity is down. They say it might be out for five days. You give me three days, and I am out at the card shop ripping Hidden Fates tins off the walls. So uh, just in case the show goes down, that is what happened. I actually have a, a snippet here. Uh, PG&E says it's starting off power at 800,000 customers in 34 counties uh, starting after midnight Wednesday amid forecasts of windy, dry weather that create extreme fire danger. Uh, Southern California might also be impacted also. Uh, And it could be out for five days is what I'm hearing. Uh, And because I'm in an area that might not be affected by this, I'm expecting people to come try to pillage my shiny Charizards out of my house. So, uh, I'm ready to defend myself if any of you guys were thinking of breaking in. So, Kueler and I, as you guys know, went to Japan about two weeks ago now. And, uh, this was a story I didn't manage to get to on the last episode. But this, uh, took up the majority uh, of our time having to deal with. And it was an extra, uh, stressor. So, when I go on vacation, um... It's not I mean, it was nice to be out on vacation to Japan, but we were, aren't staying in nice hotels and getting taxis everywhere um, and eating in like super fancy restaurants like I'm out in vacation on vacation, but it's more like i'm I'm traveling. uh I know you travel when you're on vacation, but but I'm not really pampering myself when I'm out there. Uh, so we had to carry by hand Kitty had we helped Kitty move out, which was the first thing.
1: It was a whole day of moving out
0: whole day of moving out. so a whole you gotta day of
1: cleaning out the apartment, of picking up just the worst filth and grime I've ever seen in a living environment.
0: Uh, so she had a studio apartment to herself. And there was a lot that needed to be thrown out, things that we weren't able to sell. Uh, and we needed a time extension because um, we were like three hours late to having taken everything out. The elevator, of course, because Japan, very tiny... So we didn't have enough space in the elevator to take all her furniture uh, down. So I had to walk it from the fourth story down. You imagine you got to do this to like a queen size mattress to a couch uh, to various glass tables and lots of terrible stuff. So we're exhausted after moving out for an entire day. And one of the things that we had to move out was this literal jug of coins now, in Japan, for those of you who don't know, they have yen, and yen is uh, is coin money up until $10 or 1,000 yen. I'll just talk about it in American dollars because everyone seems to understand that. So, uh, obviously, we got the $1 bill, the $5 bill, and the $10 bill. Japan only has the $10 bill. Fives, ones, fifties, ten cents, and a penny are all coins. Uh, there's also five-cent coins. So they have all of our coins, and in addition, dollar coins, $5 coins. Uh, and when you accumulate coins over four years uh, in in a vase or in a, in a big jar, it becomes really heavy. And one of the reasons she collected this many coins, she told us, was because paper money uh, is a lot easier to deal with, obviously. You don't want to be carrying around coins. It jingles in your pocket, and they're hard to count out. So uh, what Japan does to, to resolve that issue is a lot of times, especially on like the train systems, you'll pay via uh, a digital card where you just tap it and go and you, you put money in it um, when you're not going to be holding people up trying to count out coins when you get on the train. And for that, you get a little bit of a discount. So you got cards to get on buses and all kinds of transportation. People, of course, have credit cards and all that stuff, but um, when you're paying with uh, any kind of bills, tens or fifties or a hundred dollar bills, get coins back afterwards. She never wanted to stand there and count out coins and hold up the line. So every time she had coins, she accumulated them instead of spending them. Well, come four years later, uh, I weighed it. And after we had gotten rid of, uh, a ma- I'm not going to say a majority. What would you say? You're Like 15%? A good chunk. We'd probably of taken of the coins, so the, we we started off with a bunch of coins, and we got to the airport. We probably got rid of like fifteen percent of them. Like, remember, I would take handfuls out and like just put them in vending machines.
1: Yeah. Um. Oh, you also have to mention. So the air the airport was like the day after. It was kind of the day after we, um, got the coins at the beginning. We had to walk out with this giant bag of coins, and also, so the the one dollar, the hundred yen coin, is a really useful one because it's it's a dollar. It's kind of like what you'd expect here. It's something that can you can use about anywhere, and so naturally, all of those were taken out of the coin bag and used in actual useful situations. Which means the ones left were a lot of the fives, the tens, and the fifties, which are mostly useless in most places except for vending machines. We went to arcades, and the exchange would only take tens. We went to um, ticket vendors, and they'd only take hundreds as as minimum. Most places only took 100 yen coins as minimum, which we did not have. We had all the ones lower than that. So getting rid of these coins was actually an incredibly difficult night in Oita, where we spent kind of just running around seeing how we could spend all of these coins uh, carrying this gigantic bag around.
0: You gotta remember how many coin like if you have a $1 coin if you spend that $1 coin on something that you know will give you 95 cents back imagine how many coins comes from that one coin these things multiply there's an insane amount of them uh and obviously there's we're also not no just going to leave people them there.
1: Out in Oita, which means we couldn't just hand them out to somebody like that's the that's the thing you normally do is you just give it to some person, but there was no one in like need of money who could use the coins. If it's like an averagely reasonable earning person, it's just a a nuisance to carry that many coins around. It's not really fun to give them that.
0: We can't leave them. Uh, We we have to go. Um, Like we have to fly out of Oita, which was where we were at. To Tokyo, um, Those are very far apart for those of you who don't know. And, and so we don't have time to go to the bank. Uh, we don't have time to get rid of them before we get to the airport. So I end up spending, because of how many freaking coins there were and how many luggages we had to split them between, $450 in baggage fees because the baggage uh, was overweight. And so we got rid of 15% of the coins by just sticking them in front of vending machines and drinking everything we can get out of them. And we still had 18 pounds of coins. You got to also remember we're carrying around a computer. Uh, I won this computer from a VR tournament back in uh, 2018. And I sent it to Japan. So we're carrying this full-size Alienware gaming computer. It's not like some cheap laptop. It is an Alienware gaming computer. So this thing's heavy. And then we're carrying 18 pounds of coins, which I would estimate was probably like 22, 23 pounds before we got it down to there. You got to remember also... Coins aren't an easy thing to carry. Like it's not like carrying a brick. It's just a square. You know, this is like it's a it's a semi-liquid that it's gonna spill all over the place. Uh, and so, after spending four hundred and fifty dollars
1: transporting all this stuff, I mean, it, we did actually save a little bit of money by distributing part of that bag into my suitcase, which only had clothes because I only needed that much. Because the other thing was trying to. Def- fit it into a bunch of suitcases that were carrying like all the stuff that she had to bring back home
0: since yeah. she just moved
1: out, including, again, the computer, including tons of clothes and supplies and everything, all the things that we... Even with everything we threw out, we had like five large suitcases, all of which were overweight, and that's why the cost with the whole thing with the coins not helping in any manner was uh, like $450 and I think we saved like $50 by distributing the coins around so at least yeah. it was something but it still hurt I helped pay for it and we all kind of had to like just give all the money we had basically to get this it, it was kind
0: of painful handing over $450 now it was it, the painful. overage wasn't just due to the coins the computer is heavy uh, yeah. and there's a lot of stuff just things take that we because...
1: knew was going to be too heavy it's yeah, why in retrospect, I really America. think we should have taken the train. You're like, it's gonna take longer, and, and and but then the time it took us to like figure out what to do with the coins, paying the overage fees, just lugging the coins around. I feel like it would have been easier if we just walked on the train with all this stuff.
0: With the information I had before I made that decision, of taking course. a flight is much better. Just knowing 80,
1: just like eighty dollars to go there it ended up costing like six hundred dollars among all the tickets.
0: Um. So that that was absolutely ridiculous. And so we get to Tokyo. And for those who don't know, Kitty uh, is moving back to America. So we have a lot of her stuff, um, which is also contributing to the Overtree's. But because uh, we're in Tokyo on a holiday, we can't go to a bank that same day. So now I need to carry this to our hotel. So uh, these things are just an absolute nuisance. And in- we do can't.
1: We, we we also we landed at um, Narita. And not Haneda, yeah, which is reasonably far away from central Tokyo. Like you cross rice fields and farms, um, to basically to get into the inner city. So we have to get onto the train platform all the way through the airport, and then from there transfer over to the local Tokyo uh, metro system that then take us close by to the hotel. In which case, really mostly Nikki is carrying the heaviest of these bags, like across the entire Tokyo district basically I with the carrying. coins like jiggling inside the bag and like weighing it down extensively
0: yeah so I'm carrying a a computer I, I don't know I think it was like thirty pounds uh my stuff Maybe more. and like uh, a ton of coins and so while we're at the airport I, I forget if it was going there or coming back uh or or, or leaving back. or getting in Tokyo but it was getting uh, in
1: Tokyo Oito was relatively benign. To get through?
0: Well, regardless, uh, I was... Most of our troubles
1: were in Tokyo.
0: I was at the airport, and I was going down this escalator, and there's this lady there greeting us, and I literally think in my head, why does this lady need to be here greeting (laughs) people as we go down this escalator? And so I'm carrying the two heaviest pieces of luggage, and as I get on the escalator to go down, uh, one of the bags kind of knocks into the side which knocks the other bag and gravity because i'm going down causes me to lose control of both of the bags there were several people below me and i would have killed absolutely everyone had i not body blocked these bags that begun fall like i take two steps down because the bags are slipping body block one of them which body blocks the other one because they're so big that they can't get past me and the lady at the top of the escalator runs down to help me she i have it under bolts. control but she's she... like,
1: you could tell that her whole career is on the line for this because yeah.
0: you you could tell like her one job was to make sure a dumb american carrying 20 pounds of coin did kill everyone going down the escalator and it was time for her to spring into action so oh, she luckily totally
1: ran in there she was I, I happily had, waving to everyone at that point like like the smile wiped from her face and you just saw oh, she, horror Just she pure went to horror. action
0: mode um, I had the situation under control by the time she got down but after <laughs> she had seen that I was okay she sprinted back up the escalator oh yeah <laughs> um, which took her I, a while so I, I have am-
1: an addition to this story now uh, that happened recently, so I was coming back, and it's it's a great cultural difference to remember. So I was coming back with my friend from San Francisco, and we were getting off at Millbrae, at the final BART station, and you know you take the escalator down? You take the, basically the stairs down, there's an escalator down, um, to get to the ground floor from like the raised platform that the BART station is on. And someone who was apparently coming from the airport carrying suitcases, there was no one on the escalator, because I think it only goes up, and obviously, we just took the stairs down. He just like realized, th- in the same logic you had, this heavy suitcase could slide down this e- this escalator extremely quickly. So while I'm going down the stairs, I just hear the loudest like sliding noise of suitcase sliding down the. Uh, oh no! Um, he didn't stop the escalator it. at a really rapid speed. Like you, like you really do not underestimate how fast this thing was going. When it hit the ground, it was like a gunshot. When it slams into the ground, and <laughs> Like, again, there was no one on the escalator, there was no one in danger. Uh, the cultural difference is that this guy was like, this is a good place to, like, slide my suitcase down. Um, but it made me realize, like, how dangerous this would have been to those people. Because this thing was just a bullet sliding down the uh, stairwell oh, it, it, that I would have easily knocked over anything in its path.
0: Like you gotta imagine when I dropped it, it kind of slid like two or three steps, and when I stopped oh, yeah. it, my knees buckled. Like I'd use yeah. my, I'm 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 about 180 pounds, so that's enough to like, f- you know, force myself against them and stop them from falling down. Um, but if it if we were to go down five or six steps, and you're a smaller person than me, which everyone in Japan is, uh, no one in Japan is six feet yeah. tall. It,
1: it's not a tiny little escalator at Millbrae, but it's not. It's also not, like, a London Underground super-tall escalator. So, like, even on, like, a moderate length, it picked up a ton of speed. And, like, the weight of this thing, like, counteracts the friction of the escalator. And it was, it was just zooming by as I walked through, as I was walking, like, next to it on the, on the actual, like, normal stairs. So, by the time it, like, went past you, if you had not stopped it, like, by the time it got to the next person, it might have already been going too fast for anyone to stop.
0: Yeah, uh, this really could have been disastrous had I not stopped that. Um, in fact, if this story were to go any different, I might be like locked up in Japan for manslaughter, or whatever their Possibly. equivalent a uh, charge is. Uh, and and it, it was not is not a proud moment for me, but I am uh, happy that I managed to get out of the situation. Anyway, to end the coin story, um, the day before we left, I think we deposited all of them. It ended up being I think about a hundred eighty dollars of coins and you gotta keep in mind we got rid of like fifteen percent of that. Like easily I I'd probably put oh fifty dollars, I would say, maybe almost fifty dollars into uh random like vending machines just getting drinks. We also ups. went to the arcade. Remember that? And yeah, we went to the arcade and I tried to hand the guy tens. Like I'd hand him ten tens and give me a hundred. And I did that four times before he was like, No, like you can't you can't just like Convert tens into dollars. The machines
1: here. wouldn't take it. The machines wouldn't take it. So we tried to go in person and they were sympathetic the first time. The first one. The second and third time. Then the fourth time was like, we're not doing this again. And then obviously when you went back up, they're just arms crossed, not letting you through.
0: Now, I wasn't being a dick and just like trying to use them to convert the money. I was then putting that 100 yen coin into the cab so I could play. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know they just that's not their job to convert and, money for me
1: and and this is the real unfortunate part because if that was actually transferable like by the machines to hundred yen coins, like we would have spent that money in that yeah. one oh, evening
0: easily i i there's no doubt in my mind that I could have spent a hundred dollars at the arcade like I would have just dumped them all in on the machines we probably would have spent hours standing there putting coins in but <laughs> i I would have just gone ham and spent hundred we already of dollars. planning
1: to like. Be like the masters of the arcade, like some some kid like is about to pay for his game. which is like, no, 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 no. And we just slide the coin in for him.
0: Yeah. And now the thing is, I don't speak Japanese, so I don't know how to like let people know. Like, hey, man, I I wanted to. Anyone who walked up to the vending machine, um, near the table where we were sitting at with a bag of coins, anyone walks up to that, I'm like, yo, man, I got you. Like, don't worry <laughs> about it. Don't don't thank me. I I should thank you, because I'm carrying around 18 pounds of coins right now. Anyway, well, we it was couldn't. an absolute and, hassle. Yeah.
1: And and the longer the night went that first time, the more we realized that we would have to take that to Tokyo and it was probably even more of an ordeal than I expected.
0: Yeah, it was uh almost it was caused a,
1: death and
0: not a good part of the vacation. Anyway, other things I've I still that we find coins on... in
1: my bag to this day. Oh me They're too. I got man. about
0: thirty dollars. I have thirty dollars of coins left. <laughs> they didn't all they didn't all um stay in Japan.
1: No, yeah, No, they all we found a little we still keep finding them to this day. now that we will um, keep finding them for a while
0: we can we can just repress that memory and, and not have to worry about that anymore. Uh, other things that have been happening at at my job uh, we have installed a VR fishing game, and this VR fishing game is one of the best VR titles i'm I'm not exaggerating uh, that I have ever played because what they do is uh they actually go personally the game developers It's called real vr fishing and they go out and they take 360 video of the area where you'll be playing and so these are real places up so far because they're based in south korea they've only taken pictures uh in south korea can you bring it up real vr fishing and read like the description of the game and i i forget what the game company is and all that stuff um but they take 360 video of the place where you'll be fishing. And then they, uh, when you're playing in VR, you're at the origin point where the camera was. And, and I don't know anything about fishing. But apparently they made it pretty realistic where um, if a fish starts tugging to the right, then you got to tug to the left. And uh, th- there's some accessibility features for those of you who aren't good at fishing. So on normal mode... You get like you fucking X ray vision where you can see the fish in the water. <laughs> but then on expert mode there's absolutely no help whatsoever and you have to just know like which way to tug and how fast to reel it in, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And this uh, What like, am I looking for here? Real VR fishing. Uh, what is no, no, what's, no, like my... what's the studio name? Uh, who oh, are the, the guys who make it? Name.
1: That's a good question.
0: It's on it's on the Oculus Quest now for those of you who own an Oculus Quest. Uh Mirage just, Soft.
1: Mirage Soft.
0: Mirage Soft. Yeah, that's right. That's them. Uh, and I I probably played this game, no joke, for like a full hour uh, while I was at work the other day. Like I was just sitting and catching fish. It is incredibly relaxing. And, and I, you know, I really like Beat Saber and Autica and like rhythm action games. And, you know, with rhythm games, you always want to be getting better. There's more notes on screen, all that stuff. Um, this is the first time I've enjoyed a VR game for like a ro- relaxation kind of thing. I don't know anything about fish, um, but just the act of fishing, just sitting there and taking in the ambiance and they add in realistic sounds. Um, There's one level in South Korea where it's at night and you can see cars running on the overpass and there are fireworks going off in the background. Um, The game sounds beautiful. There's like cinematic music when you like catch a fish um, and we try to reel it in, although you can turn that stuff off. And so that that is my early access VR game shout-out of the episode. Real VR fishing. Uh, it is an incredibly relaxing game. And there's, there's uh, progression to it, too. So as you catch fish, you unlock more places where you can go out and fish and more bait and rods and stuff. And you can keep an aquarium that'll have uh, the fish that you've actually caught. And so the developers, I believe, were recently in the Bay Area... And so they're going to be doing 360 video uh, of places in America because so far they've only done levels that are in South Korea and then put those in the game. So like these are real places um, that they're taking actual 360 realistic video of. When you look down, it doesn't look so good because it's all stretched out. Um, It it looks okay. But if you look out for any amount of distance, even like 10 feet, then the game looks absolutely beautiful. Uh, The water looks great and it's just really relaxing. So... Uh, That's my VR recommendation for the week is real VR fishing. And uh, the last thing I've queued up to talk about... We're going to do a little bit shorter of a show because I am afraid that the power could go out for five days at any moment. And I need to... I actually set up uh, candles around the room because it will be pitch black in here if nothing is happening. But I got an interesting piece of news from Stream Elements. Apparently, uh, despite... The Ninja acquisition. Mixer loses more ground against Twitch, even with new talent. If you're watching on YouTube, I'll put this down in the description. Um, But the hours watched per platform in Q3 2019, 75.6% of that share goes to Twitch. 75.6%. And uh, the rest of the shares are taken up by YouTube, Facebook Gaming, and Mixer. Mixer actually in last place... Uh, hours watch per platform mixer at 3.2 percent facebook gaming at 3.7 and youtube at 17.6 percent i'm going to read off the little bullet points it has here at the side but uh credit to stream elements twitter.com stream elements for this mixer's big ninja move made little impact as twitch continues to expand the gap between the two platforms in September, Twitch, YouTube Live, and Mixer all experienced their lowest amount of hours watched in Q3, but this is traditionally a slower month over year over year. Facebook bucks the viewership ebb and flow trend by showing a massive 41% growth in September. Twitch's percentage of the market grew roughly 3% since quarter two. And so, uh, Twitch, with the 75.6% mark, Twitch did a rebrand back in... Um, Back at TwitchCon just a couple weeks ago, um, they've redone their logo and all that stuff. And and their new tagline is, you're already one of us. And um, they have advertisements. I think it's around, I've seen people take pictures of it in San Francisco. Um, But one of the things they're pitching that that I hate as a VR content creator, uh, one of the things that they're saying is, oh, that weird obscure thing that you're into, we got that on Twitch. And it's like, all right, that weird obscure thing I'm into, virtual reality. And uh, there's no virtual reality category on Twitch, and you're doing absolutely nothing to support it. And the biggest games on the platform are still incredibly large. Fortnite. Uh, I, I actually don't think Apex Legends is. Let me. Let me just go take a look at the front page of Twitch. Uh, what are the biggest games on Twitch right now? Can you look at Sully Gnome, real quick, Kular? Actually, really? you can't even. It doesn't even show you the biggest games on Twitch anymore. If you just go to the Twitch front page because it shows you recommendations for yourself. I'm just going to go to Sully Gnome and find them. Sully mm-hmm. Gnome is my favorite um, Twitch analytics site. But the biggest uh, views on Twitch, League of Legends, Just Chatting, Counter-Strike, Fortnite, and World of Warcraft. Of course, I don't expect with a rebrand a serious shift in uh, any of this content and Fortnite being overthrown on Twitch. But uh, Twitch is still doing absolutely nothing to support VR content creators. I talked about on an earlier show how they had absolutely zero VR panels at TwitchCon. I know VR had a little bit of a presence. I believe the Synth Riders developers were either there or they were, um, I think they had a booth. And Synth Riders is an upcoming VR game uh, where you hit blocks with your hands and dance to the music. Uh, But Twitch... Hasn't since their rebrand despite the fact they say oh, yeah, that weird obscure thing you're into we got that on twitch uh, They haven't seemed to have made any moves to support people who are doing weird things um, Like tabletop games or and if anyone is uh, a little bit more of the tabletop community wants to correct me in the YouTube comments Go ahead uh, but with especially my forte VR uh, They haven't really done anything on the platform to to move the needle to support uh, these more niche things that people like. They've, they even released like a trailer um, talking about like the weird things like speed running and the more niche communities. But so far, I, I have no tangible action that I can actually see from them uh, coming out from TwitchCon and their announcements that uh, show in any way that they're going to be supporting VR. Speaking of supporting VR, the real last story, uh, PlayStation 5 was announced today and the PlayStation Five, of course, going to be continuing to support PSVR content. How they're going to be doing that, whether they do the PSVR 2 uh, or or anything like that, is still not known. At least to me, I'm sure Sony is working on it. But Xbox uh, not doing anything so far, despite that they've announced Project Scarlet. Is that what it's called, Do You know anything about the Xbox Series?
1: I, I I know it was called something like that. I. Don't know honestly. I don't. The most I know well, is that PlayStation Five was announced.
0: They've announced PlayStation Five, and I'm looking forward to seeing how PlayStation Five supports virtual reality. But one thing that is tangential to virtual reality is haptics. Um, I've tried a lot of different haptic adaptations when it comes to VR, whether it be uh, haptic vests. I've tried. I don't like haptic vests um, when it pertains to music. I've tried music uh, haptic VR vests that you put them on your chest and it lets you feel the music. Um, and so I played with uh, Haptic VR Vest at a conference, and I played a round of Autica with it, and I was the only one at the conference who, I'm not trying to brag, but played Autica on Expert. Um, and I wasn't even playing a particularly hard Expert song, but it just felt like because the notes are coming so quickly that the Haptic Feedback Vest was just vibrating the entire time. Like There was no distinction between notes or anything like that. Um, and so I'm not a big fan of haptic feedback fast. But haptics are important. For example, in Beat Saber, when you slash a block, um, you can feel your controller rumble. So you'll know that block was hit. Same thing when you play DDR. Um, the, the arrows when you play DDR are lower than the rest of the platform. So you can feel your foot successfully hit the arrow. But if you feel your foot not go down in that divot, you know that your footing's off. Uh, and so that you can correct that through just feeling it instead of, you know, seeing it on a screen. So haptics are important, is what I'm trying to say. And they announced for the PS5 that they are going to have uh, different haptics on the PS5 controllers. So they're going to have it feel different than Rumble. It'll feel different when you're driving a car versus walking on grass. And the interesting thing um, that I really like, but there's also things that I don't like about this, Adaptive Triggers. So if you're, for example, uh, firing a, a weapon that's on a hair trigger, that'll feel different than if you are pulling a bow, because as you pull a bow at first, um, it feels very tense. It's a lot harder to pull that string initially than it is, um, and then at the very end, it kind of gives, for those of you who have ever done archery, and so the tension is released. And so pulling a bow, when you you know shoot on a PlayStation controller, you hit R2, the shoulder buttons, it'll feel different when you're firing a semi-automatic weapon versus pulling a bow and arrow. And so I'm interested to see how developers uh, integrate that kind of stuff into uh, their console games and make their experiences more immersive from a non-VR flat screen standpoint. But also controllers are 50 to $60 right now. And so how much more expensive is this going to make controllers? Additionally, I play with a scuff. Uh, I play with a modified controller with paddles on the back. How much more expensive are these modified controllers going to be? And you know when I'm playing Call of Duty multiplayer online or I'm playing any kind of multiplayer online, I don't want that tension uh, in my triggers. I want to pull the trigger as quickly as possible so I can see from an enthusiast uh, you know, standpoint who only cares about performance that I won't want any of these things. Uh, and so I may need to disable these features, which I'm sure you'll be able to do on the software side. Um, but overall it might drive up controller costs which I have a little bit of a concern of and uh, it could just make things uh, more difficult for me as, uh, as with these features if I just don't care about them and I'm turning them off all the time uh, it, games need to support that on the software side or the PlayStation 5 will have to support that uh, internally and so uh, that'll just be an extra cost that I just don't care about It'll be it'll be new frills that for someone who just wants to play online, I, I just don't need to deal with that kind of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I have not gotten any hands-on on that content, but it was announced today, and the PS5 will be coming out uh, holiday 2020 is uh, where they're aiming. I, I expect some kind of marketing with the PS5 to be going along with the Tokyo Olympics because Sony is a Japanese-based uh, country. And then, of course they releasing in 2020. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, I don't know if I'll be, be picking that up right off the bat. I picked up a PS4 launch day. I still have my launch day PS4. It's still going strong. But I don't know what I'm going to be playing when the PS5 comes out. Like if I'm going to be fully into VR or if I'm going to be like fully diving into card games. So that's what I'm doing right now. That's actually what I'm going to do during the end times. The five days that Northern California doesn't have electricity is I can still play card games. I just need people to play with. Uh, and I have two hours of VR loaded onto my quests. Well, I can plug them into my battery packs, but uh, that'll drain pretty quickly. So I don't know if I'll be into PS5. I might just be on the card games of VR, or uh, maybe they'll release Bloodborne 2, in which case I will obviously have to buy a PS5 because the uh, Soul series of games is uh, my favorite. Last thing also, Code Vein. If anyone has, uh, if you guys, anyone has been playing Code Vein, I believe it's is another Bandai Namco game came out on, I know it's on Steam and a bunch of other, I think it's on other platforms, but I know it's on Steam. And that game looks very Soulsy, And uh, I like those kinds of games. So if any of you guys have been playing Code Vein, let me know in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, give us a rating on Spotify and iTunes. And we're moving the Early Access Podcast to 8 p.m. PST on Tuesdays. You tune in at twitch.tv slash Find us Spotify, iTunes, and uh, youtube.com slash shampoo. I'm starving, and I need to uh, get set up just in case the electricity goes out. So, uh, thank you guys for listening to the show. We'll be back next week, assuming the electricity comes back on Tuesday, 8 p.m. PSD. I've been here with DJ Nick I'm Still Shampoo. We'll see you guys all some other time.